Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs, startups, and side hustlers share their startup stories. Rising Tide helps you break free from the Monday blues and launch your own startup. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest tonight is the inimitable Captain Jim Palmer. Jim, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Oh, my pleasure. And of course, we're doing this at night, so you can't see the sun because it's, well, it's almost dark outside. <laughs> the lighting's a little weird inside the boat at night, so hopefully it's okay. Yeah, I, I did ask him off air. I said, man, aren't you supposed to be topside? And he said, man, it's dark. He said, yes. <laughs> well, it's dark and cold. This yeah. is one of those days when it's cold in Florida, which I think tomorrow will be better. Yeah, but yeah exactly. My exactly. Captain Jim videos are usually take place in the captain's chair, which is like right up above me, but not tonight. And I, I do encourage you guys to uh, check those out on Facebook and YouTube and, and other places that they're going to pop up because they're, they're great videos. But Jim, if you don't mind, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So um, I lost my job in 2001. And having four teenagers at home, I, even though I had a certain an entrepreneurial itch that I knew eventually would be scratched, I thought, no, I got to go back and you know get another, another uh, salary gig. And um, but God had other plans for me and basically went through almost a year and a half of unemployment, which took my once healthy ego and really brought it down. You know, he kind of, I think, um, in a way, I, I sometimes describe it as uh, God's boot camp. You know, when they take a Marine, they bring you all the way down and rebuild you. God was rebuilding me. Mm. I was probably had a little bit too much focus on things and, you know, um, and uh, one year into my um, almost about 16 months of unemployment, depending when I started my business, I, I got cancer. So I was really, really at a very low place, Kevin. And um, I mean, it was so low, I, I got on my knees and I just prayed for guidance. But instead of actually like a half-hearted prayer about, Lord, I really need a job. Can you help me find a job? I said, all right, I, I'm clearly making a mess of this. What do you want? Tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. You know, I'll turn my life over. And um I really got such a clear signal. It almost startled me. It was so clear that I was to become an entrepreneur. So I started my first business. I'm going to give you, try and give you the short version. Yeah, I started my first time. business in October, 2001. I became the founder and president, CEO, and chief muckety muck of my own corporation called Dynamic Communication. And here I thought I'm on the right path. Well, I went a full 12 months of being the president of dynamic communication. But the one problem is I had no income. I, it took me a year to get my first client. So I described that Kevin as being revenue free. I owned my own business, but I was revenue free. Revenue free zone. There you yep. go. So I actually, you know, I know I was talking with a good friend of mine. God just appreciates and rewards hard work. So I figured, what can I do? Cause I really need to sell, meet with prospective clients and do everything I'm going to do. So I got a job at the local Target. I went from being, you know, a, an executive, a marketing executive, to now stocking shelves at the local Target. But I, the thing is, I got up at 4 a.m. and work. I don't know if that's the second or third shift or whatever it is. But and I, then I left about 11:30 and then went home, had a quick lunch, and then I went out and sold and made calls. I started doing everything I could to build my business. Eventually, a year later, I got my first client, and then second, third, and fourth, and I started cutting my hours back and eventually Target said, you're either working here or you're, you know, doing your own thing. Well, that was easy choice. But <laughs> once again, my, I was right back in the fire because I wasn't making enough to quit, but that was the impetus. And, and I grew my first business to, um, 
multiple six figures. But then I kind of topped out, Kevin. I was really a small business owner, mm -hmm. chief cook and bottle washer. Yep. And around that time, I, I met another um, friend of mine who's, who's a Christian. And he said, uh, have you ever heard of Dan Kennedy? And introduced me to, you know, kind of the GKIC world. And Dan Kennedy is a very, very big mentor of mine. And I started learning about how, what the different mindset is from an entrepreneur to a small business owner. And I shifted and I then went on to create No Hassle Newsletters, which was an online newsletter service that grew to over 1,200 customers in nine countries. I started Concierge Print Mail on Demand, Custom Article Generator, Success Advantage Publishing. I published 12 different books um, and a couple other things, but you, you get the idea. And I obviously let Dynamic Communication go. And then about 2009, or 10 time frame. I'm going to a lot of different conferences, meeting with other entrepreneurs, and they're like, how are you doing this? You got all these different things going. And that's when I started my dream business mastermind. So I started working with and coaching other entrepreneurs. And about six years ago, a friend convinced me to do my own seminar, my own three-day seminar, which I, I, to be honest with you, that was so outside of my comfort zone, Kevin. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And you. I was probably praying 24 seven leading up to it. In fact, the day we were starting, people are coming in the room and I'm all excited. I got a big smile on my face, but I was like nervous beyond belief. What I got, I got to teach for three days. What if by 1030 on the first day I run out of content? I mean, I was like, <laughs> but something magical happened. I, I stepped into the, to the uncomfortableness, if that's a good word of what I felt God really wanted me to do. And People were just reacting and I could see them writing and digging it. I started sharing some of my personal journey, a little bit of what I shared with you earlier about the mm. cancer and employment. I had massive debt from, you know, keeping my mortgage paid and borrowing. And, and I could see there was two gentlemen that actually had tears in their eyes and told me on a break later on, thank you for being honest and transparent because I'm kind of right where you used to be, right? And um, so anyway, I really just stayed true to what I felt was my true calling, but I would never have figured that out had I not gone through the fire or what I now call my personal season of crisis. Right. right. So I, walk us, I mean, I, I hate to just kind of, you know, gloss over that. And, you know, that I, I really appreciate you kind of really laying a very solid foundation about, you know, how you kind of walk through this. But tell us a little bit about the the whole idea of, you know, being virtually at the bottom mentally and, and psychologically, and then, you know, how you just, you know, I mean, you, there had to be times where you, I just can't even drag myself out of bed. You know, there were times thing, like that, so. you know, when I saw my neighbors kind of going to work and then, you know, my wife, Stephanie got a full-time job. Everybody's going to work. The kids went to school and there I am. And I'm like, <clears throat> this is back in the day. I mean, I think monster was around. It was very kind of new online job boards. I would go to the local newsstand and buy papers from all over the place. I was changing my resume, um, kind of downplaying it because yeah. maybe I could get a job and work my way back up. I was doing all these different things. And, and you know, hindsight is 2020. I know now that's not what God had in mind. And mm -hmm. so everything I went for, I, I, I've, we're down in Florida and in, down here, there's a company called pinch a penny, which is a, they sell pool supplies. I applied at pinch a penny. They flew me down here and I applied for a job. I didn't get it. I was horribly disappointed, you know, <laughs> but it was all building to what I'm doing now. Yeah. And you know, it, it's pretty crazy that, um, you know, I actually for, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I forgot the question you asked me, but, um, it was really 
everything happens for a reason. You know that, right? I'm, I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but everything happens for a reason. And I think that's really what makes me a great business coach today, Kevin, is nobody that I'm, that I'm working with and I'm pushing and trying to get them outside their comfort zone because I say that's where the brilliance happens. That's where you're going to really figure out what you're capable of. It's because I, was, I had to do that myself. And I work with people who challenged me. I mean, one of the things I, I mentioned, 12 books, I've written seven paperbacks and I've got five Kindle books for seven. But one of the things that happens when you become an author is people want you to come speak to their groups. Well, I had a massive fear from the time I was a kid until I fixed it of public speaking. I mean, mm -hmm. it really hindered me in school and everything. And, um, but I wrote my first book and I started getting all these invitations. Hey, come talk to us about newsletters and retention based marketing and stuff like that. And I'm like, Hey, thanks for the offer. I'm, I'm really busy. I'm traveling. I lied through my teeth cause I didn't want to say, no, I'm not going to come speak to your group cause I'm really afraid. <laughs> but that was really, and I, I know I'm not making any, um, huge declarations because remember Seinfeld most people would rather be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy it's a very common fear but I really I had to get real with myself about if I'm going to really grow a business as big as I want to have to create the lifestyle that I want I have to lick this and I did all these different things from speaking courses Dale Carnegie I went to a professional hypnotist I did all these different things well, Kevin, it turns out I'm a really good speaker. Mm. And so, yeah. but every time I felt that I've been challenged in business, there's always, there's always been a way to get past that challenge. And so anyway, I, I hope that answered your question. Absolutely. And I, and I, I mean, the, it, it kind of created a little bit of a segue to my next question just kind of adds on to that is the, the whole idea of, so, so once you kind of, you know, got over that initial hump, Mm -hmm. What was the, what was the, and you may have touched on it earlier, what was the key kind of impetus for kicking you to the next level? You know, where you, um, you went from your, and, and I mean, you had like, you listed like six different businesses that you were running virtually at yeah. the same time. So uh, it sounded like to me, you just created a bunch more jobs for yourself. Well, I call it, um, I call it the, the ultra, the ultra, uh, what is it? The incentive when you're trying to do something like the word escapes me and here we are on a, on a on a video interview, but uh, when you're looking for the courage to do something, most people, and I'm, I'm going to speak to entrepreneurs now, let's just say we have some business owners. When you are the, the head of the company, you own the business. If you don't want to do something like initially, I didn't want to go out and be a public speaker. Well, I didn't have anybody at the floor above me yeah. or there wasn't anybody down the hall that was going to call me to task. I could rationalize away my own shortcomings, if that makes sense. Well, what happened is about that time, um, I have uh, two older boys and twin girls. You know, one of my twin mm -hmm. girls, Jessica. Mm -hmm. And about that time, they were, they were really starting to apply for colleges and things like that. And I'd always assumed that my wife, Stephanie, and I would help the girls with college. And <clears throat> we were in such bad financial shape at that time. It just wasn't going to be possible unless we just went further into debt. And there was a turning point <clears throat> when I said, I, I'm okay. If I want to have a business that does X, I'm okay with that because I'll figure out a way to live with X. But until I realized my shortcomings and my not stepping up into something much larger that I was capable of, was affecting my kids, people mm. that are obviously I love and near and dear to me. I have to fix that. And so that was, oh, I know what it is. I call it extreme motivation. It's just bouncing in my head. Extreme right. motivation 
is people will do things, I believe, more for, for someone else or a cause or somebody other than themselves. You know, if you're if you have a real busy week and it's Friday, it's five o'clock, six o'clock, and you, you go to hit your couch and you get you order a pepperoni pizza and you're gonna just chill, right? And then you get an opportunity to do an interview with Kevin Pruitt. You say, No, I'm busy, Kevin, call me in a month. Or somebody calls you said, Hey Jim, like a friend, you know, I gotta get my mom out of this place or whatever, or some my mom so, you know, something that's you really need to step up and help your buddy or a friend or whatever you're going to find the wherewithal to do that. So you'll do things for other people more than you'll do them for yourself. So that, that was yeah. really, I'll tell you that Kevin, that was one of the major turning points in my career is when I launched and, and I kind of really latched on to extreme motivation and, and that just helped me grow. And we started accomplishing some really cool things and I grew some really successful businesses, paid off all our debts. And I tell you, that was really cool. But so it was really, that was one of the major turning points for me when I went from doing okay, but still struggling to, wow, we really started growing. I don't, I don't want to put uh, Stephanie on the spot here, but, but kind of walk me through the, you know, the, the whole idea of this is my wife's kind of psyche as I'm going through this. I mean, tell me what it was like when you were like in debt and you were, you kept coming to her and say, Hey, okay, I'm going to try this. I think this is going to work. I mean, how many times did you have those conversations? And she was, did she get to the point that she was thinking, I've almost stopped believing you? Well, I don't think she ever said that. Yeah. But I mean, when I lost my job, um, she immediately went to work. She covered our health insurance. Um, it really took her career and early childhood development to the next level. She mm -hmm. had an amazing career that really blossomed once I lost my job. Yeah. So there was that. Out of necessity, um, maybe as much as anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I mean, obviously supported. She still reminds me to this day when I, when I thought, whatever that date was that I discovered, not that I discovered it, but internet marketing. And she reminds me often, oh, Jim said, you know, hey, I discovered internet marketing. You're going to be able to quit your job and retire in six months or something like that. <laughs> well, that was more like six years or long, way yeah. even longer than that. Yeah. There, there is no like, you know, easy magic button. But, um, but she's just been so supportive of me and, you know, my, my greatest cheerleader and pushing me on. But um, that's really what brought us to where we are today. I mean, mm. she worked so hard at her career. There was a point where she really started to feel burned out from, from all the, the growth. And she ran a really large daycare center that was sold and became part of this kind of conglomerate. And so bureaucracy took over where her, her greatest passion is, is ch children. Mm -hmm. And she went from being a, you know, an educator and, and working with children to being like an administrator and just all the, stuff the state and everybody puts you through. So that was really what led to her leaving her position, which led to us moving on the boat because yep. I can do my job anywhere. I got good sure. Wi-Fi, <laughs> And um, so it adds to the that captain the motif, point. you know, too. So it, it's, <laughs> yeah. you can't be a captain without a boat. I mean, you know, you, <laughs> you right. got to do that. So, yeah, and that's, so your extreme motivation could have been her. I mean, her extreme motivation may have been those grandkids, you know, that you, <laughs> You get to, well, that uh, was that was before grandkids because yeah. <laughs> when extreme motivation came in, it was really when my girls wanted to go to college, mm. and we were doing okay. I mean, I I had my my business and we were doing things. We were no longer like slipping further into debt, other right. than when I was doing things to grow my business. But as 
there's so there's the business and the personal on the personal side we were okay between what i was making with my company and what she was making with the salary we were stable so it was kind of like <clears throat> to, to really get personal if if we increase debt at all it's because i wanted to grow my business mm -hmm. faster yeah i was investing in marketing i was i was exhibiting at conferences and doing different things that was where some of the additional debt came in on the right. business side um but i really I really wanted to step up as a husband and a father and, and bring more to the family. And of course at this, when I lost my job, I was 41 years old. Mm. And during that period, I mean, we early in our marriage, we decided that Steph would be a stay at home mom and she did some part-time work here and there, but I kind of carried the, the majority of our expenses. So we didn't have a lot of savings when that whole ship crashed. Right. right. And, um, so the other the other impetus once the you know then Jessica and, Mary, Jessica and Amanda got married and all the kids are on their own now Stephanie and I really had to look at well retirement's not too far away unless we're going to be ninety and we're both going to be greeters at Walmart you know <laughs> we, that was another impetus to really growing the business and working hard and, and doing what was necessary yeah I mean I I love that and I I you're you probably have already answered even my next question I mean <laughs> you you have an amazing knack of like you know, within your answer, have answering my next question, but the whole idea of like motivation of, of like your kind of your internal why, because I mean, I can see that, you know, as you started this and people kept coming to you and say, Hey, you know, you ought to do this. You ought to do seminars. You ought to do coaching. You ought to, you know, you ought to do a program and write a book, that type of thing. But that's, you know, in my mind, that's not enough that other yeah. people just tell you to do that. So what was kind of that last, the impetus that that really driver that or Simon Sinek calls your why. Well, I got to give credit to God again because when I did my first event, I was still in the mindset: if I do a great event and people come into my coaching program or join newsletters, do whatever, that's going to be more revenue. But Kevin, something happened. Now I've done eight. I'm about to do my ninth event, but I've done eight events. Something shifted. Because doing those events, number one, really expanded my coaching program, okay? Mm -hmm. So I started coaching in 2009. First year was okay, second year better. But I mean, the last six, seven years have been really good, okay? And what I, what I like to tell people, especially people that I help now get into their own coaching program, the paycheck is good. But what really lights me up is when I help somebody double the size of their business, or I help somebody get their book done, and it really explodes. And they say, oh my God, Jim, I just, I have a client right now, as you and I are doing this, has been with me less than 30 days, and he's already almost doubled the investment he's going to make with me over the next year, because so I helped him start a coaching program. And that's going to lead to him working less in his retail store. Mm -hmm. And again, the paycheck is good. I make a good living being a coach. But when I can impact people's lives in that way, that, that makes me not want to stop. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think in, in a lot of ways, my big why, my biggest why is obviously honoring and pleasing God, but I, we're, we're really making great progress on our retirement. So we, mm -hmm. we're not wearing the orange apron when we're both 85 or whatever. <laughs> but the other thing, which I love, I love what I do. So I don't ever anticipate just turning it off and stopping. What I tell Steph is maybe when I'm 65 or 66, I'll go down from 30 clients to 10 clients. And maybe when I'm 70, I'll have three clients. So I'm always going to do what I'm going to do because I really believe I will be connected with the right people 
who need the skill set that I have and I've been blessed with over the, yep. you know, the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's, there's nothing wasted in God's economy, <clears throat> you know? So, I mean, you can look back at even the most difficult times, I mean, have made you a much well-rounded and comprehensive and holistic and, and rich coach. And I don't mean rich in this in ter- financial terms, but I'll be at that, but rich as in a depth of, experience and knowledge and just being able to bring so much resources to the table when you coach someone. I like the way you said that. I might have to borrow that in one of my daily quotes, but nothing is wasted. (laughs) That's a really good expression. You know, I stole that from somebody. So. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, it's going on down the line. (laughs) Well, Kevin, early on when I started my coaching program, I got into a mastermind that had some other coaches in it that were so far ahead of me. I was like, Oh my gosh, look at these, these people. But you know, I didn't want to be in a mastermind. I didn't want to necessarily be in a mastermind with people who were struggling, right? I mean, that's no math. So I want to be in a mastermind with people who are doing really well. And um, I call this, I'll I'll share a little thing with you if we have time. I call it my greatest embarrassment as an entrepreneur. It was like the, the most, so I'm in this mastermind. I flew out to California. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. And, um, the only saving grace was it wasn't in front of everybody. It was kind of on a break. Well, this gentleman who I just held in very high regard, he had like a $2 million coaching program, which to me is like, Oh, you know, and um, he took me aside and he goes, Jim, I, I know what you want to do. I know you want to have a coaching program like I do or some, somebody else. He says, I'm aware of what you're doing, marketing and, and all the different ways you're growing. But he said, Jim, I'm also aware of what you're not doing. And I have a question for you. And I thought he's going to dispense some amazing advice, which he did. But I thought it was going to be a little more kind or helpful. And he said, what makes you think that you're entitled to achieve the same level of success as me or somebody else in the room yet? I don't see you willing to do the things that we've done to build our business. What makes you think you're going to get there when you're not willing to step up and, and kind of do the hard things? And it was a really, I don't know about you, Kevin, when I get embarrassed, I turn red, my ears could probably melt glaciers, right? <laughs> and I was horribly embarrassed, but I remember flying home and thinking, never again am I going to be put in that spot because essentially what this person did was call me a wuss mm. because that was pre me speaking. It was pre me doing my own live events because I was definitely, oh my God, not only how can I teach for three days, it's a twenty twenty five thousand dollars investment before you sell your first ticket. And what if you don't sell anything? You know, yeah. it's a big deal to put on your own seminar. Mm-hmm. So I had all these things that I didn't necessarily want to do. But in my mind, I was bound and determined to become successful. But I was going to go around all the things most people do. And he called me out on it. So again, I learned how to be a speaker. I started doing my own live events. I wrote multiple books. I started doing many interviews like this. I mean, you're probably my 350th interview in the last three or four years. I, so I started doing everything that all the successful people were doing. There's a very big clue there. (laughs) Success leaves tracks, as they say. And guess what? I started growing. So that was a, that was a pretty big turning point for me when somebody kind of called me out. Well, I, I love the fact that the way you frame that is, is, um, you know, you, you can do two things. You know, when something like that happens, you can either be embarrassed, take your tail between your legs and hit the road and, and or even be critical of the, you know, the person that gave you that, you know, kind of that dressing down, as they would say. Yes. Say, you know what, take that on as critique instead of criticism and say, how do I grow from this? How do you know? And, and part of that was, 
for me to make an investment to be in that group, including paying for the travel, everything, I made a commitment to myself every time I did that, if I'm going to make this investment, which means I'm going to either shortchange the money that I bring home to the family, or I'm going to perhaps borrow some business funds to pay for it. in some way, shape or form, everything's an investment. Yep. And I rationalized with myself or I made a deal with myself, Kevin, that said, if I'm going to do this and they tell me to jump, I'm going to say how high, if they tell me to go right, I'm going to say, well, don't you think it's easier to go left? And so I sort of had that commitment with sure. myself. Yeah, and you know, I just kind of stayed true to myself. So, in in that regard, I think that was a good thing. I mean, I I think that's a healthy healthy posture, you know, to take. You know, as as a learner, you know, as a lifetime learner, is to yes, especially when people are further down the road than you are. So, speaking of being further down the road, I I would really love to just kind of step out of the way and and uh, you know give you a little space here, and and you, I want you to speak directly to our audience and say, okay. You know, the, the big question on the table is if you were going to do this again tomorrow, if you were going to start something tomorrow, um, walk, us, walk us through kind of the two or three just foundational steps that you need to take. And I'm kind of curious what you would do. I mean, I, I want to default. I, you would just be a coach. But, you know, <laughs> you, I don't want to answer this for you. you. You tell us what you would do. Well, I'm going to start by giving you three great book titles. They happen to be mine, but they're good titles. And I'll just riff from there if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. So one of my books, I think it was book number five was stop waiting for it to get easier. Right. And people are waiting for the stars to align for everything. They're waiting to be able to answer every what if question, like what if it doesn't work? What if I make this investment? What if I start this business and it goes wrong? Stop waiting for it to get easier. Start right now where you are and start moving forward. The next thing is, and this isn't a book title, but stop swimming in the shallow end of the pool. All the big growth happens when you step way outside your comfort zone, which is usually in the in the deep end of the pool. Um, as far as things that hold people back that I wish I didn't do in, in the early days, number one, perfectionism and giving a damn what other people think mm -hmm. about what you do and how you're doing it. So I learned a very important lesson in my early days as a newsletter marketer from Dan Kennedy. I learned, I became the newsletter guru. seems like a silly title. I know my, my, my neighbor at the time who was a chemist always laughed. Oh, the newsletter guru. We see our on our tractors and we got our lawn. And, 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 and that's okay because my neighbor was not my customer. But when I became the newsletter guru and started marking myself in a very out there way in a kind of flamboyant, but like I'm doing now with video and stuff, I started growing and I became far less concerned about the opinion of other people, especially those that weren't my customers. Right. Um, two more things I'll give you and I can give you more if you want to keep going, but two more things. Uh, number one, be willing to do massive action simultaneously, not sequentially. <clears throat> Most people, they, they go to first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way up. But you don't have to climb the ladder of success one rung at a time. You can climb multiple rungs. You can leapfrog, right? Nobody says you have to earn your first six figures before you get to 200,000. I mean, if you're doing 80,000, why not? Don't stop at 600,000. Let's build 150,000 or $250,000 business, right? So you can leapfrog. And sometimes that requires you to do things, what I call massive action, operating on multiple fronts, but and doing it simultaneously, not sequentially. That was one of the big things. Early on in our conversation, Kevin, I told you about a new client been with me 30 days. 
in 30 days, we launched a new coaching program. He was so far out of his comfort zone that literally the night, which was just this past Tuesday, as you and I are talking, he was getting ready to launch and we hadn't created the link where people were going to sign up. He wasn't 100% sure of the price. We were, I mean, we were throwing everything out there and he's got a very high five-figure coaching program now because he was willing to, again, I'm going to refer to Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy says, success leaves a messy kitchen. He was okay flying out there or learning, jumping and learning how to fly. The last thing I'll say to you, and this is specifically for, I guess, entrepreneurs, you will earn a significantly higher income for who you are, not what you do. You'll earn a significantly higher income, not for who you are, no, more for who you are than what you do. So it's not about the deliverable. It's always going to be about who you are. And this really speaks to the whole celebrity culture that we live in. Um, you know, when I had cancer, I didn't necessarily say, well, what doctor, what, what surgeon's available and when is he running a special? <laughs> it's yes. like, who is the best surgeon that handles melanoma? And that's where I went. Mm. Stephanie, one point a few years ago, got a spiral fracture slipping on the ice. We didn't like go, you know, look for a two for one special. We were recommended to the guy who specialized, an orthopedic surgeon who specialized in spiral fractures. That's where we went. If you want to work with a business coach who, and, who, and you want to have a six figure or multiple six figure business or you want to have multiple businesses, don't hire somebody with a flashy website who's read a lot of books and can regurgitate somebody else's information. For heaven's sakes, go work with somebody who's actually done what it is that you want to do sure. and do what they say. Yep. And, if the, and, and if part of that, to come back to my, you'll learn significantly more, if part of that is becoming an author and giving yourself a brand and a handle. See, there's so many business coaches. So I was the newsletter guru for you know, a good eight, 10 years. Then I became the dream business coach. Because if you want to have a business, why not have a dream business that helps make you uh, it makes it possible to live your dream lifestyle. So that became mm. my whole brand. Yeah, I'm not just Jim Palmer, the small business coach. I'm the dream business coach. Exactly. So sometimes it requires you to step up on that platform and say, this is who I am. And people will be attracted to that. Mm. So, so if you're going to do it tomorrow, what would you do? I would do everything I did in the last almost 20 years, but I would speed it up because <laughs> again, days or 20 I know. And, and, and you know, I, you know what, there's an expression and I, I, I say it all the time. Regret tastes like crap. Mm. So to the best of my ability, I don't want to have regrets moving forward. Of course, every day, you know, we probably have something we regret thinking or doing, yeah. but when I look back on how many years, especially in my first business and then getting going and, I really played smaller ball than I was capable of. I know that because I'm playing bigger ball now, if that makes right. sense. Sure. So if I was to start over, it's kind of like, what would you say to your 18-year-old uh, self? Geez, I wish I had more confidence. I should have just asked more girls out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. There's, when you, you, but you can't go back. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the, 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 the things that, the, the differences between the top 1% or even the top 10% in any niche industry or even the country, these people are willing to do something that these people, big group, yes, are sir. not willing to do, Kevin, right? You're exactly right. Um, you know, there's, 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 I know we're getting short on time, but when I talk to certain entrepreneurs and they want a big growth and they, and some people say, yeah, but I, I really want to have a business where I have work-life balance. That's a big thing. And I totally get that. But one of the things I'll say, well, let me tell you something about being an entrepreneur and going after significant growth. 
let's say it's Thursday, it's five o'clock, you've made a commitment, you're gonna leave at five o'clock every day, no matter what, you're gonna go check into Little League or dance recital or whatever. And you've been trying to get this big client. You've been working on this client for months and months and months. It's an out of town. The, your phone rings, it's 4.58, and this prospective client that is a game changer, if you land this client, it's gonna change your business. And he says, hey, it's, it's Jim, it's Brad. I'm just calling, you know, I was actually, I didn't call you earlier because I, I actually flew into town. I had a meeting and I was going to fly right out, but they just canceled my flight. I have to stay overnight. I know you've been after me. You want to talk to me about what you can do and how you can help me. Do you want to have, do you want to have dinner and tell me what you can do for me? What are you going to do in that? Oh, I'm sorry, Brad. I'm going to go to Little League. Now, some people may do that and whatever you decide, whatever your prayer is, that's fine with me. But what I'm saying is if you're seeking fast, massive growth in business, you're going to have to make some tough choices mm -hmm. as a small business owner. Yep. And again, whatever way you go is okay. Cause that's your decision. But I'm telling you the, the perfect balance and the perfect business does not exist. Yeah, Sure. Sure. I, yeah. I, I kind of love the way you frame that. And, and I mean, you had, you had a little bit of a moral argument, you know, moral predicament that you, <laughs> you faced there, but I mean, it could be just as easily be, you know, watch a Netflix show versus, you know, do the hard thing, you know, that, that that's type right. of thing. So what are your priorities? You know, just kind of the way you frame that. I, I really appreciate that. But yeah, as we wrap up, I, man, I really appreciate you kind of laying the groundwork for our rising tide startup school segment that we do, you know, just kind of give people a, a, another opportunity to, to, as they're thinking through, you know, trying to get something started. And, and I love the foundational steps that you laid, but and I, I love the, I love the whole strategy of your podcast because you know, we live in a time right now, and I'm not getting political, but the economy is on fire. There's more opportunity in this country. I don't know if people are listening internationally, but there is more opportunity to start a business. And, you know, so many people, and this is what I, I kind of, uh, where I think this education system can do better. I'll leave it at that. But, but for goodness sakes, there's something besides an education, a resume, and getting a job working for somebody else. There's such yep. a thing as entrepreneurship. Yep. And so many people don't even know that exists until later in life. I mean, I, you know, we're in, in, in this boat and we're on, in marinas all the time. There are people that just wax boats for a living. I know a guy that he and, he, and he works basically seven or eight months really hard. This is when we we're up north. And he has like three or four months off doing nothing, but he makes a really nice living. There's so many things you could do to create a business for yourself and really control your destiny, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity. And I think a lot of people just sit on the sidelines and wonder what if. And it's one of the reasons Stephanie and I moved on this boat before we, quote unquote, retired, because, well, what if? What if we wait another five years and God forbid I get cancer again or something else happens or sure. our health goes and we're not able to do it. We didn't want to live with the regret of not having this amazing experience. So we found a way to make it work. We lost two chairs in this boat because my desk is right here because I still work. <laughs> but we found a way to make this happen. And we were having this amazing adventure while I'm still working. And um, it, it's, it's I'll, you know, I'll leave you with the title of my, my seventh book, which is Just Say Yes. You won't know what you're capable of doing, whether it's in business or in life or some kind of adventure, unless and, will, unless and until you're willing to just say yes and go see what you can do. 
I, I love the way you kind of wrapped us up today. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's, not it's my been first a great interview, journey, Kevin, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I, yeah, I, I could have just said, take off and I'll, I'll meet you in 30 minutes, but, uh, there you go. yeah, I mean, I just, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. And if, uh, if one of our listeners is, is looking for your services, looking for a coach, I mean, what's the best way to find out more about Jim Palmer and, and maybe to get in contact with you? Well, my home base is get jimpalmer.com. Jimpalmer.com is either for the baseball player or, or it's for sale. Somebody told yeah, me it's for sale. It's like $15,000. So it's getjimpalmer.com. That's my home base. From there, you, there's links to my books, my courses. There's a link to my coaching program and my live events. Um, if anybody's curious, purely away from business on a personal side, Stephanie and I started a YouTube channel. And I think we've got like 15 or 18 videos up. We travel up and down the East Coast. Yep. If you're curious, excuse me, if you're curious about the boat and how we do that, if you go to YouTube, um, the name of our boat is Floating Home. So the, our YouTube channel is Our Floating Home, O-U-R Floating Home. So just go to YouTube, put in Our Floating Home. You'll see us and, you know, just, just it's, it's hopefully some fun entertainment. But if you're curious about how we do this, that would be another place to go. Well, I will certainly make sure that those are in the show notes. And, uh, and it's just been, once again, a pleasure just talking to you tonight and, and just, uh, you know, picking your brain a little bit. I can just see that, you know, just the depth of knowledge and experience that you bring to the table. And, and you're, you're well, a veritable library. So We connected through my daughter. Absolutely. Yeah. And pretty I, interesting. And I, yeah. Tell, tell Jessica, thank you for uh, you know, making I that connection. That. But uh, Jim, just thanks again for really just playing your part and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great evening. All right, you too. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.